This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. The legal information presented on In Legal Terms is meant to provide general information about the topics discussed and is not necessarily the opinion of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. The information conveyed does not create any type of attorney-client relationship. Please consult an attorney provider before making any decisions about your specific legal questions. Welcome to In Legal Terms from MPB Think Radio, the show all about you and your rights. Our host is Professor Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law. I'm Liz Gill. We're very excited to have Attorney Baskin Jones on our show today. We're going to be talking about subpoenas, what a subpoena is, and what that means to you and your rights. And right now, we welcome attorneys. We're glad to have you with us, Richard. Baskin's here. Uh, Richard's still connecting. Thank you, Baskin. We are so glad that you're with us. Uh, it's We're happy to have you on the show. Would you remind us about your background and your practice areas? My name is Baskin Jones. I am a personal injury attorney here in Jackson, and uh, we work cases for injured individuals all across the state of Mississippi. Uh, that means car wrecks, 18-wheeler wrecks, uh, any time that there is an insurance claim for an injury, uh, that is our practice area. So when you represent a client in a legal action, uh, I know my dad was a lawyer, and they might be surprised when they're served with a request for documents. Is this something to be worried about or resistant to such a request? Well, you know, lawyers, we love documents. We swim in documents. We can't help ourselves. Uh, We wake up in the middle of the night wondering about that document that might be out there that would prove our case and we we're afraid it might exist and and so we go looking very hard for documents and we ask you know uh, small businesses for documents we ask for tax records we ask for uh, medical records so all of those sources uh, are things that we are using to build our case we're going to use them as evidence Uh, So it helps to be a small business that knows how to respond when you get a signed record request or when you get a subpoena, which uh, is is the scary legal term for uh, give us your records. Professor Gershon, we're so glad that you're able to join us. Um, Yeah, scary legal term, (laughs) subpoenas. Well, it uh, it actually, uh, you know, has a Latin meaning, and it's, you know, it's, you know, bring this with you, uh, the meaning of subpoena. And, uh, but, you know, there's certain repercussions if you decide that, uh, you know, you don't really need to turn over those records when you get to this point uh, in the legal process. Well, Baskin and Liz, it's great to join you this morning. I hope uh, you're both doing well. Um, so, I, you know, we're kind uh, of heard you, I heard you were talking about subpoenas. And, uh, you know, that's a, uh, an important issue. And also records. Um, why do lawyers need so many records uh, in lawsuits? 
Yeah, it's a, uh, a process that, uh, you know, in building a case and trying to put together proof on the cases we're working, uh, these documents a lot of times form the backbone of a case, whether it be uh, how much you were making at your job before an injury or uh, your medical bills that, uh, you know, we need to total those up or, uh, you know, even, uh, you know, other ways that a case might have affected someone's life through an injury. Those are the types of records I see every day. Uh, but, you know, there are other records that get requested, uh, cell phone records and, uh, you know, social media records being, you know, another category of items. So, now, when you, so really, when a, when a client comes to see you about a lawsuit, um, I think one of the things they need to understand is they, they have work to do, too, right? I mean, uh, whether you're, you need their records or the other side is requesting their records, you can't physically go get those for them. So they have to do that work. Correct. So the you know initial part of a records request, um, the other side's going to ask nicely. They're going to ask for uh, your signature on an authorization to go and get some of these records. Uh, and, but you have you know very little control over uh, the types of records or where where all they go to get them. So you know if you're represented by counsel, often you know they'll put some. Uh, limitations on uh, the types of records or where they use these releases that you might provide to an insurance company. Uh, but it's kind of the Wild West if you don't do that. Uh, so it's a very good idea to uh, set up certain limitations on uh, how a records release might be used. Uh, from the small business side, you know, what do you do as a small business when you get this records request. You're going to want to make sure it's signed by the person uh, who they're requesting those records for. You're going to want to uh, double check and make sure that this person you're releasing records on is okay with these records being released. So, you know, there, and, you, know you mentioned the uh, signature. Of course, there's some things that there are certain sensitive things that are protected for our own privacy. So, I mean, if we don't allow the other side to get them, or you as the, my own attorney to get it, um, you're not gonna have access to things that have, for example, my social security number on it. So, um, how, how, you know, how do you deal with those like medical records, et cetera? Correct, so uh, the HIPAA is the law that uh, relates to you know, any uh, medical records and how they're disclosed. So you'll often see a uh, HIPAA, we say HIPAA, that's the Health Insurance Portability and Accountability Act. And that release you know, will include certain categories of your medical records and usually good for at least 30 days for you know, someone to go and look all the different places they might need uh, to look uh, to try to get these medical records. Again, once you're providing this release, you lose a lot of control over uh, the different places they go to look. But if you're filing a claim or involved in litigation, that's uh, part of the deal. I mean, it's 
Uh, these records are going to be on the table uh, if, if, if you're making a claim. If you plan to bring something into a court, uh, you're going to participate in discovery, and your, your records, to a certain extent, are going to be uh, on the table to be uh, produced in discovery. Uh, it's not uh, wide open. It's not as much of the Wild West in that stage of the process, but uh, you have to have an argument that you know, they're uh, looking at things that aren't really relevant to the litigation at that point. And that's what, you know, sometimes people don't have those records. I mean, not everybody is great, uh, you know, at, at keeping records. Um, and in my, in my household, my, my wife is better at it than I am, basically. But, you know, what if you don't have the records? Correct. As a small business or uh, really any, any person that has records requested of them, uh, you know, you want to look at what is actually being requested in this uh, request. You want to uh, respond. You want to at least uh, say, you know, those records aren't available in a format that would be easy to produce. You know, I'm happy to put someone on uh, the task to get these records, but, uh, you know, they might, uh, they might take some time or it might have some expense associated with it. So, you know, I'm used to seeing record requests to get an invoice back. Uh, there's, for whatever type of records, there's a statute in Mississippi that regulates the amount that you can charge for uh, each page of a medical record, and we can touch on that. But uh, it's also normal to get uh, a invoice back for someone's time or the amount spent and uh, supplies and providing these records for shipping costs. And often uh, those invoices need to be paid before you get your records. You can send us your email questions. Our, ad, our email address is legalterms at mpbonline.org. We're discussing what a subpoena is with attorney Baskin Jones. The word subpoena, we're going to learn a little bit more about that. I'm going to tell you next. You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. Now listen to the wild, weird, and wonderful stories of Mississippi with Mile Marker. The first question that we get when someone comes in is, how is the Ulysses S. Grant Presidential Library in Mississippi? Join me as we hit the roads of Mississippi on Mile Marker. We have every letter Grant ever wrote and every letter ever written to him. You can listen by going to mpbonline.org slash radio or by using your favorite podcasting app, Mile Marker, a Mississippi Roads podcast. 
This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting and depends on the support of listeners like you. If you can, please donate today at mpbonline.org. And thanks. This is in legal terms. Now, not everyone has a chance to listen to our show live. If you've missed any of our program, you can listen to the whole show at inlegalterms.mpbonline.org. Our host is Professor Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law. I'm Liz Gill. Baskin told us a little bit about what the word subpoena means. It is from a Latin phrase. We've discussed, you know, it could mean um, you need to provide documents or you may need to appear as a witness. And I found this very interesting that in England and Wales for civil proceedings, they're not using the word subpoena anymore. They are using the word witness summons as part of reforms to replace Latin terms with plain English understandable to the layman. But uh, in American, a subpoena is also a records request. This morning, we do have Attorney Baskin Jones here to help us understand what a subpoena is. Now, Baskin, I have a question. Uh, One time in college, I kept getting someone uh, wanting to contact Elizabeth Gill, Elizabeth Gill. And then I got a subpoena for Elizabeth R. Gill. Well, in no way, shape, or form is R my middle name. What what does it mean when a subpoena goes to the wrong person? And, you know, we've talked a little bit about if you get a subpoena for a record you don't have. What if you get a subpoena that's not meant for you? Correct. These subpoenas, they uh, provide a set of instructions uh, of what you're expected to do. Uh, Usually when people get a subpoena, the thing that is, you know, most concerning to them is uh, it seems very technical. And it is very technical, but uh, there's a portion that tells you, you know, where you're going to be responding to, where you're going to be sending the records requested. And uh, if it's not you, I would say immediately just contact uh, that address, you know, send a letter, send an email, send a fax, however they wanted you to send the records that they were requesting. Uh, They want to find the right person. They don't want to think they found the right person and then it not be. So, you know, a simple, uh, I I don't have any record of sort and I don't really think that I'm the correct person that you're looking for should tip them off that they need to look somewhere else. Sounds good. Now, uh, ask it. Um, when, um, when someone, like, uh, you request information from a business, you know, because you deal with lawsuits and you have to get information from other, other sources, third parties, businesses, and things like that, can they charge you for those kind of records? Yes, they do. Uh, I'm used to seeing when you know when you interact, let's say with Verizon, uh, to request records from Verizon and get you know any sort of cell phone record. They're going to send you an invoice, and that invoice is going to say uh, you know the amount of uh, time and energy put into responding to this request, 
and they're going to send an invoice back before you ever get your records. So it's normal for businesses uh, to charge in that way, and the only limitation on it would be medical records. There's, again, state statute that keeps medical providers from charging exorbitant rates for medical records. So the, the cell phone companies will charge you whether you're a new customer or an old customer. It's the same same rate for both. That's uh, well, sorry. There's, there's had, some, there's had to some say way that. to monetize just about any transaction, and they're they're finding as many ways as possible. We have a caller on the line. We're going to go to Mobile and speak with Mikey. Mikey, thanks for calling in to In Legal Terms today. What's your comment or question for our attorney Baskin Jones about subpoenas? Uh, well. Thank you, first of all, all of y'all, all y'all, you know, um, y'all are still great as usual. Um, and I hope that this is not off topic, but um, subpoenas in regards to depositions, could you ask the, the expert to please give us in very plain language what the difference is and what it means and what it does, okay? <laughs> sure. The, uh, usually, before you would get a subpoena in a, uh, in a matter, someone is going to be trying to get in touch with you, and they'll try to find, usually, a uh, date that would be convenient for you to give testimony in that matter. So if it's just a subpoena, that means uh, it's a request for you to appear and give testimony, and uh, it can be in any legal matter uh, that a subpoena could be issued. So if you get a subpoena, that means that the attorneys in a matter are using the court process to ask you to appear and give testimony. And it is the step up from asking nicely, and uh, it holds the force of law. So uh, behind the subpoena is the clerk issuing the subpoena and the judge presiding over the case. And uh, they're going to be the gatekeepers uh, at the point of getting a subpoena should you not comply with the subpoena. So that, in the the simplest way possible, is uh, that that is how important and serious a subpoena is. Um, The best recommendation is to comply if at all possible. Baskin, to Mickey's question, what 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 exactly is the purpose of a deposition, too? And that correct. So, uh, just like we mentioned records before, and attorneys liking to swim in records, uh, attorneys, our, our process, it is a very uh, spoken word type process still, as far as the trial proceedings are concerned in any claim. So, you know, vocal testimony by a live witness uh, in the courtroom uh, is the gold standard. Uh, But there are uh, attorneys to know what a witness might say before we get to the courtroom. So we have what's called a deposition. And a deposition uh, is a formal proceeding, but in an informal setting usually. You're in a conference room and you are providing sworn testimony on a case, uh, but not sitting in a courtroom yet. And so attorneys can learn what you know and be more efficient 
in the courtroom when it comes time to take your case to trial. You know, and a lot of that is in the old days, the real old days, it used to be that, you know, you'd see surprises come up in, in court. But the whole point of everything, these record requests, depositions, all the information that we get called discovery ahead of time really does help prevent any surprises to either side. Is that is that not the case? Um, go ahead, I'm sorry. So, yeah, the uh, two types of subpoenas uh, exist, and you know, the, at least two types. And usually, if it just says subpoena on the sheet of paper, you know, you are being asked to give testimony. If it uh, you know, says subpoena Ducas Tecum, that is a subpoena that uh, involves records as well. And that is the subpoena that, uh, you know, the Latin meaning of Ducas Tecum is you shall bring with you. Baskin, uh, you spell the documents. spell that word you just said that was in Latin for me? Yes, uh, Ducus, D-U-C-E-S, Tecum, T-E-C-U-M. Thanks. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but you can usually understand what a subpoena is getting at by reading it. Uh, and we love our technical language, but, uh, you know, with the subpoena Ducas Tecum would be asking for documents and would tell you you have a certain period of time to provide these documents uh, and where to produce them to. But it's very important to read whatever legal process you get very closely. Well, this, this is so important because I think a lot of people don't understand the things that happen besides what happens at trial and how important all this is uh, ahead of time to think about these things. Um, so let's talk a little bit about a, a record request that uh, maybe some people have dealt with that is not so much necessarily involving a lawsuit, but just records that they can get from the government or government entities through the Freedom of Information Act. How, how do those work? Uh, records given to government entities that, uh, so in a non-legal proceeding, is that what you're saying? Yeah, right. The Freedom of Information Act, things like, you know, uh, records. Yeah, uh, you know, in the last 20 years, uh, there's been developments uh, on the types of records that individuals can get uh, from the government. And both states have their own state statute dealing with uh, freedom of information. And in Mississippi, uh, we have a pretty strong Freedom of Information Act, which takes the position that governmental entities and their records, uh, the records belong to the people. And so as a result, you as a citizen are entitled to uh, some of the uh, raw data that these governmental entities are using when they make decisions. Uh, You know, sometimes uh, in more formal settings, these are used to request 911 calls to get the audio from those 911 calls or to get police body cam footage. That's a pretty hot topic. Uh, But uh, in the end, Mississippi is taking the position that these records belong to the individual citizen. What what kind of records would those be? What what type of entities or information typically falls under the Freedom of Information Act? Well, if you're a governmental entity, I'm assuming uh, you're you're receiving Freedom of uh, Information Act requests. So 
the things that I immediately think about, you know, uh, things like a wreck report. If there's been a report generated by a police department uh, for a wreck or an incident report, that you're going to be entitled to get uh, that type of information uh, from the entity. Again, 911 calls. Uh, even if, if you are a, let's say, the Department of Environmental Quality or uh, Wildlife and Fisheries, those records that are the business of uh, these governmental entities, uh, things like number of new uh, hunting permits, uh, those numbers should be available to citizens even if they're not published on the website and a uh, well-worded letter to the entity requesting these documents should uh, have them respond to you in a timely manner and provide the information that you might be interested in. Email us with your questions. The address is legalterms at mpbonline.org. We're talking about subpoenas. We've enjoyed having Attorney Baskin-Jones on In Legal Terms. He has been our guest twice this past year. I'll tell you about those shows next. You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. each week for Everyday Tech on MPB Think Radio. We have an IT expert, a computer repair ace, and we troubleshoot your problems on the phones as well. Everyday Tech, Wednesdays at 10 on MPB Think Radio. Download the podcast now or listen on YouTube on the MPB Think Radio channel. You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. Professor Richard Gershon is our expert host. I'm Liz Gill. We hope that you'll subscribe to our podcast, or you can find MPB Think Radio recordings on the website mpbonline.org slash radio. This morning, we're talking about subpoenas with our guest today, Attorney Baskin-Jones, who was our guest twice in 2021. On July 13th, he talked about turning 18 in Mississippi. And on January 26th of 2021, we discussed insurance and also your rights as a cyclist. I'll have links to these podcasts in the show information for this broadcast. Baskin, I was very interested when we were talking about the difference between a subpoena and a records request. So if I'm plain Liz public citizen, and I want to know some information from our government that I can't find on a website or anything, can I make a records request, a Freedom of Information records request myself, or do I need to get a subpoena, or what's the difference? Uh, You absolutely can make a uh, Freedom of Information Act request as an individual citizen. Uh, There's 
form, Freedom of Information Act uh, request letters that are available on the internet that I've seen uh, be used successfully. Uh, there are also uh, some entities have their own process and their own uh, form for you to fill out. Uh, and some of those forms, you know, try to give you uh, a limited idea of the types of information that might be available. Uh, but it never hurts to ask. So writing a letter that is, uh, you know, maybe may a little more broad than the form itself would tell you as far as what information might be available. Uh, and really thinking through, and attorneys do this all the time, thinking through what kind of document might be available, what information might they have, and then forming uh, a request that tries to capture that that tries to uh, be maybe a little more broad in the type of information that you're requesting. Uh, that would most likely lead to uh, more documents being produced to you. Baskin, they have, the governmental entities in Mississippi have seven days uh, to respond, uh, some type of response to you. What, what if they don't? <laughs> well, uh, uh, unfortunately, you know, sometimes it's the uh, entity that is uh, deciding the pace and the sorts of information that they give out. Uh, there's not uh, a really effective method to push uh, this records request, you know, outside of uh, litigation. So uh, it is. You know, if, if the IRS tells you your rebate will be available in 30 days uh, and it's day 45, uh, your your options are a little limited. Uh, your your best and best option is likely wait an additional two weeks and then and then think about it again because uh, the entity is also setting the time frame. Yeah, that that makes sense. There's the there's the law, and then there's what what actually happens sometimes, and uh, and you're right. In, in the nicest way 14. possible, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, um, so let's let's talk a little bit about uh, you, we've been talking about uh, records request and subpoenas. How do you decide as an attorney who gets a subpoena when you're working with a client? Who are you looking to subpoena uh, for information? Um, when you, you know, when you decide which witnesses to call. Correct. It's, uh, it, it depends in a lot of ways on uh, the type of practice and uh, the type of attorney. Uh, often you'll see, you know, larger firms that uh, uh, there's more of a blanket type subpoena. They, they want every record and they want uh, to know uh, absolutely every detail about someone's medical history over a long period of time. Uh, the records that are actually needed and uh, that you would actually anticipate using might be a much smaller group of documents. So I think there's a real benefit to being efficient in this process and to uh, not rock the boat too much in the amount of records that you are requesting, but really having a good idea of what you're going to need in this process and making sure you get those records and sometimes using this subpoena 
if the records for some reason are more difficult to get a hold of. So try the nicer method, just the normal records request, uh, give every opportunity for that to work. And then uh, if that does not work for some reason, uh, escalate. We have a call from Biloxi. Let's go to Chuck. Chuck, we're so glad that you've called into In Legal Terms today. Our guest is Attorney Baskin Jones. We're learning all about subpoenas. What do you want to know? Yeah, good morning, all. Um, I was, here's the scenario I was arrested at a community center for signing a rights waiver, acquiescence, estoppel, buy. And the rights waiver stated I, I waived all my rights, which I didn't wish to do. And being the bright guy and listening to you guys maybe too often, um, I also cited the First Amendment free exercise, freedom of speech, the 14th Amendment, no state shall deprive any citizen of life, liberty, and property. And I did that in front of the two arresting police officers, asking them if they were recording it. The subsequent trial, and I was arrested for, believe it or not, several months. Um, so there's serious issues here. Um, the my trial dates the prosecutor has failed to produce the director of the center and the director over the director who signed two of the complaints they had to fish for charges because there really was no charge in which to charge me so i keep going to these proceedings and no one is there and I keep referencing the four people, the two arresting officers and the two directors. Uh, only one of the four are, are produced. And I believe that the video, arrest video, is incomplete. So using subpoenas, which I guess I'm at that particular junction, since there doesn't seem to be any transparency, do I, am I mistaken in that the prosecutor is mandated Sixth Amendment nature and confrontation clause to produce those four people? Um, when do I need to step in and request a subpoena? And the Justice Court, I, I, I don't see as being helpful here. So. There, there you go. I'm going to be real interesting to, to hear what uh, Baskin has. So, Chuck, let me make sure that I can understand what you're saying. You were arrested, but and you would like to get copies of the police video from the arresting officers, but they won't produce that. And every time you have a hearing scheduled, the people who the signed trial. The, the trial, the people who signed the complaint aren't there to participate. Is that, and you would like to know if this is when you get a subpoena to get those people available. Is, is this is what you're saying? Yes. And the video 
there were two police officers, one the arresting officer and a second attending. The video from the second police officer missed the bulk of the, the merit issues. And that's my, and the prosecutor is not being forthcoming. So how do I handle that uh, in this criminal trial? And I'm on my third, and next week I assume will be my fourth continuance. So there's okay. a speedy trial yeah, I, issue. I do think that, you know, the process of you eventually getting this arrest video, um, again, the normal process would be in the discovery process of this sort of charge. And as an individual that has a charge against them, you are entitled to certain information about uh, that arrest and uh, body cam footage is often the type of footage that uh, is produced in this discovery process. If the person with records is a party, say the state of Mississippi in this instance, discovery is the process by which that information is normally given. Uh, as far as witnesses uh, or people that are making the complaint, uh, the notice of the actual hearing uh, is one that uh, should include, they should be there anyway. If you want to make certain they will be available, a subpoena potentially would be the process to get a witness to a hearing date uh, in order to make sure they give testimony. Uh, otherwise, it would be the state's responsibility to try to get them there. It sounds like uh, a instance where you would be best advised to consult with an attorney, uh, likely a criminal defense attorney, about your rights, about representation in this matter, an and uh, a lot of these and sorts I, of questions would be answered by uh, counsel that would be representing you in this matter. But generally, uh, that is how the process would work. Chuck, you okay. said you were assigned an attorney? Yes, I was assigned an attorney somewhat because of these issues, but there, um, for, I, I honestly just believe that the attorney was given to me because as a competent pro se uh, litigant, I believe the attorney was assigned um, without doing any due diligence. So the the attorney has been to this point um, does not respond to any of these issues, nor takes the issues of my arrest and my taken liberty very clearly. Um, so it's my, my general it's, uh, advice to you would be, you know, to put it in writing, to put your request to the police department uh, in writing on a Freedom of Information Act request to uh, ask your counsel about these questions uh, uh, in an email. And, uh, but you, you certainly always have the right to go and, uh, you know, hire your own attorney to hire a criminal defense attorney that would not be someone that is assigned. Uh, and often in these types of matters, if the witnesses don't come to a uh, hearing 
uh, on your charges that you know there's not enough proof to prove that the charge happened the way they said said it did. So uh, there's something to be considered there about uh, who needs to prove what in your case, and I'm certain that there are hundreds of private uh, defense attorneys that would be happy to discuss that with you. Chuck, and you fall right in with uh, what I was just about to say when we go to our next break, which is now. And I'm uh, I'm afraid your your question, bless your heart, is a little too involved for uh, that we're able to address on in legal terms. We can take your questions on our email address, legalterms at mpbonline.org. Our guest is Attorney Baskin-Jones. We're going to tell you how to reach him or another lawyer next. This is In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. Jimmy Stewart, Professor of Internal Medicine and Pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. On the original Southern Remedy, we answer questions about all aspects of your health and share some of the latest medical information in the news. You can listen to the show on Wednesdays at 11 on MPB Think Radio, or you can subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy on your preferred podcasting app. for being part of In Legal Terms. If you've missed any of our program, you can listen to the whole show on the MPB Think Radio YouTube channel. It's also available on the MPB Public Media app, as are most of our local shows. Our host is Professor Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law. I'm Liz Gill. At 11 a.m. Central on Tuesdays, following our over-the-air broadcast, you can hear Southern Remedy, Relatively Speaking, with Dr. Susan Buttress on MPB Think Radio. If you need the services of a lawyer, like our friend Chuck does, the Mississippi Bar Association has a website, msbar.org. On that page, there's a lawyer directory and a page titled, How to Select a Lawyer, They also have a page of phone numbers for groups that provide free legal assistance. Our guest today, here to answer your questions about subpoenas, is Attorney Baskin-Jones. He can be reached through his website, injuredinmississippi.com. We do have two phone calls to get through real quickly. Let's go to John in Mobile, Alabama. John, what's your comment about subpoenas or your question for our attorney, Baskin-Jones? Thank you for taking my call, Liz. Um, I've got a question for Baskin about communications. 
Um, everybody gets robocalls, and I get my share of them. And um, if you answer one of those robocalls, you're going to get more. And uh, the way it works is uh, the phone rings, uh, and it may say uh, have a fake caller ID, or it'll just say unknown number. And it rings twice, and then Romo, uh, uh, Noma Robo, which I signed up for, uh, steps in and ends the, the call. Uh, my question is, that could be very important if you're expecting uh, some kind of uh, legal communication. So I'd like to ask Baskin, um, how do you handle a situation like that if you think you might be getting or might be due for some uh, important uh, call from an attorney or a court? Um, should you get rid of the thing that keeps you from going crazy with these robocalls, uh, or should you? Be, is there a strategy for it? I, I, I think I can share from personal experience. Uh, you know, I have a number that is uh, available online. So I probably get uh, 10 or so uh, telemarketer calls, uh, not 10 a day, maybe 10 every two days. But uh, there's some resources. You've uh, recommended a uh, commercial enterprise that tries to help with these sorts of things. But the Do Not Call list is a very good place to start. And there are statutory penalties for robocallers that continue to call numbers that are on do not call lists. So recommend, you know, looking into that. I'm not certain of the effectiveness of one of these uh, third party services. Uh, the gold standard in the legal process is handing you a summons uh, in your hand. And that is personal service with a legal document and the secondary version of that is leaving a legal document with someone uh, of the age of 16 at your residence and uh, there's a good reason of service and that is you know to make people are aware of legal proceedings and uh, don't proceed without notice so uh, anything very important that uh, a lawyer or a court has to say to you will often be done at least once uh, with them handing you paperwork in your hand or uh, giving it to someone at your residence. Uh, that's not to say that uh, attorneys or record requests uh, might not come by phone, but uh, I would often expect that you would see something to your address, to your fax machine, to your email. Uh, if attorneys are persistent people, and as a result, we often use as many different ways of getting in touch as we can. So, uh, hopefully, that you know provides you some peace of mind. Uh, we all get these sorts of phone calls. Um, you can always check your voicemail. Uh, we would usually leave a message if we were trying to get in touch with you. John, I hope that helped you in Mobile. Uh, don't turn down any carrier pigeon messages in case they're from attorneys. Let's move on to Loosedale, where we have our second John. Uh, thank you for calling into In Legal Terms today. What's your comment or question? Uh, I wanted to ask about insurance. Uh, 
I bought a I bought a school bus uh, on a bid, and uh, of course you know school buses are listed as commercial, and uh, I wanted to see about getting insurance on it. Uh, I'm t- converting it into a, a motor home is what I'm doing, and I'm putting a bedroom in it, a bathroom, a living room, and a kitchen, and I'm getting a certified electrician to wire it, a certified plumber to plumb it. And uh, so therefore, uh, I told the insurance company that uh, it's uh, a private coach now. It's not, it's, to me, it's not commercial. I bought it, I own it privately. And uh, if I got it, everything fixed on it like it's supposed to be, would they have a right to reject me insurance on it? If, because, uh, you know, I probably won't drive it that often, but I'm going to live in it. But if, 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 like, once a month, I might want to drive it a mile or two to keep the brakes working for you and all that. But you got to have liability insurance on it in case you get I stopped. Can, I can give you my right. uh, two-minute spiel on my insurance. insurance. I don't know. Like. Well, John from Loosedale and Baskin, we can only take your 30-second spiel on it, Baskin, because uh, our show is almost over. Well, I, I just wanted to find out if they can reject my insurance. Okay. So the uh, – Certainly call an attorney about any insurance questions you have, but the general idea is as an individual to carry good insurance and as much of it as you can afford on your automobile. And I answer these sorts of questions for people all the time, free of charge and a free consultation. So I'm happy if you have insurance questions to call away. It's better to have more insurance than you need um, if you do have a claim. Sorry that we couldn't quite answer your call, John and Loosedale. If you did want to contact Attorney Baskin Jones, his website is injuredinmississippi.com. Baskin, this provided me with information I had no idea. I didn't even know. Thank you so much for being with us about subpoenas today. That's going to wrap us up for today's In Legal Terms. Our call screener for today was Jason Klein, and our board engineer was Jay White. So for Professor Richard Gershon, who hosts from the University of Mississippi School of Law, I'm Liz Gill. Please join us next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Central for In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast.